Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Cambridge Vineyard. I'm Jeff Fellman. I'm the husband of Tabitha Fellman, one of the pastors here, my lovely wife right behind me. And for those that don't recognize me, um, we've been coming here for, I think, 16 years now, and I'm typically over with the children. I love the children. I love to pastor the children. And I really miss the children in these days. Um, I'm not wearing a mask right now because I'm in the safe zone, but everybody else here is wearing a mask. And I just really encourage you children, if you're watching at home, um, just wear your mask, be safe in these days. Uh, This time too shall pass. Uh, We're not gonna be wearing these masks forever. And for those that don't know me, I love to be with the children and play, very playful. I love to give them gifts. I always have prizes for them. And I really look forward to the next time I can spoil you guys and put all those gifts and prizes on the table. Uh, But until that time, there are three ways that you guys can join us. You can still join us in person here. And if you would like to join us in person, then just email us at pastors at cvcf.ca. Secondly, you can join us at one of the many watch parties. The watch parties have been organized for 10 people or less. And if you'd like to participate in one of them, then email at groups at cvcf.ca. And thirdly, um, you can join us on one, one of the many streaming options that are out there, such as YouTube and uh, Facebook. So let's talk about his goodness. We're coming into the Christmas holiday, the Christmas season. And uh, it's a time where we want to be thankful thankful for the things that he's doing for us, the things that he's planned for us. What he's got planned for us is good. It's good. We're the ones that mess it up, but when we do mess it up, he's there to pick up the pieces and fix it again. All right, Scotty, I want to bless you. May your word season people today. May we all in here and those online, I just pray that you have ears to hear today. You know, Scott said uh, a few weeks back, that often um, he's gone to places and he, ta- he compared it to tossing a ball. And um, often you can go to something where somebody throws a ball at you, a word at you, and you maybe don't have the intent to receive it or catch the ball. So I pray that today we would all catch the ball. Bless you, Scott. Thanks, Jeff. Great to have you up here. <laughs> Nice smiley face on this gray day we have, but it's, it's November, and welcome to it. So, good to see everybody, good to see everyone online. Um, just, you know, we're, as you hear time and time again, we're in this difficult season, and it, it is challenging that it goes on and on and on and on. And one of the places for me, myself anyway, of stability is just my quiet times I have daily but also just learning to walk with Jesus on a continual basis just throughout my day, just having conversations as I would with a good friend. And this morning in my readings, I just, the next psalm up on deck was Psalm 91. And, um, you know, as as I sat there, you know, with my coffee, with Jesus, and reading Psalm 91, and the words, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Then the psalmist goes on to say, This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. 
for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. You know, he's our, he's our covering. And it says, he will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. <clears throat> Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. And the whole point as I was praying through that was just the fact that, yeah, God, you are my, you are my safety place. You're that safe place in this time. And so I would encourage you, I would exhort you, <laughs> whatever word it is, in this time of where your mind can be scattered, where your thoughts and anxiety can just overtake, run under his wing. Like seriously, like that's stability. So in that, we are in a series, what I entitled God's Antidote for Planet Earth. Because when I look at, when you look at history, not, it's not just today, it's not just these times are bad. It, as long as there's human relationships, there's challenges. And... Uh, I believe that Jesus, his, when, when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, that Jesus does know how to live life. And he calls us to live, live life with him. And I believe that if we would just, if we could just learn that God is trustworthy, meaning how God calls us to live our lives, I think God has it down pat, I think. <laughs> Because I know we don't. Our track record isn't, isn't of the best. So we're, we've, we've launched from a verse in Micah, and just looking at between now and when Advent starts in two weeks, yes, two weeks, Advent is here. <laughs> we're just going to walk through that and see how that comes out in, in the life of Jesus and what Jesus calls us to live our lives as. So let's, from there, let's move on with what uh, today looking at Micah's prophecy. And just a reminder again, in Micah, the little book of Micah, he was a prophet. He was a contemporary of uh, Isaiah. And uh, he lived in the nation of Judah because Judah and Israel split. And Micah was called as a prophet. And what was going on there in Judah was they, they were like completely... They were doing well economically. They were doing brilliantly. <laughs> but the, uh, as far as faithfulness to God, they tanked. Um, everything from idol worship to greed to uh, oppression to uh, just, you know, sucking the life out of the vulnerable, taking advantage of people. It was, it was a mess. And basically God was going, I'm done. <laughs> we're going we're to put a stick in this wheel right now and stop this bus. Uh, it's not going to continue. And he called upon Micah, poor Micah, to deliver the word. And um, the people did come to their senses at some point. And in coming to their senses, what they ended up crying out or asking was, so what do you need from us, God? What do you want? Do you want sacrifices? Do you want gifts? What, like, what is it you want? Like, like offerings? We'll, we'll give you oil. We'll give you rams. That's the, that was their offerings then. And they even asked... <laughs> Should we sacrifice our firstborn? It would sort of, sort of be like us going, like, what do you want, God? Do you want us to come to all the church services? Do you want us to, you know, listen to worship forever? Do you want us to, you know, double tithe every... Like, what do you want from us? It's that whole thing of we need to appease the gods, right? We need to do something to make God happy now. And 
that's not what God was looking for. What God was looking for was, stop what you're doing, and I want you to do the opposite. You're my kids. You're, my, you're, 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 you're mine. You're my people. I want you to walk in the way I walk. And in Micah 6, 8, he goes, No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. And I want you to pay attention to that word require. This isn't a, this is what I would encourage you to do. We use that word a lot, I encourage you, which doesn't have any, you know, it's just like, it's soft. And this isn't soft. This is what he requires of you to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Those three, three things. And last week we looked at to do what is right or justice. And this week we're going to look at what it means to love mercy. What's that? What is mercy? We have those words that we sometimes can't tangibly understand them, like grace. What is that? What does that look like? You know, is there a photograph of that? <laughs> is there a picture that we can look at? And actually, many translations, actually, instead of using the word mercy, they use the word kindness is what they use. Kindness. Now, it's not kindness in the sense, what I want you to understand when, when Scripture, with the Hebrew word and the Greek word found in the Old and New Testaments, that word actually, it's not, it, we, we talk about random acts of kindness where, you know, you'll buy somebody's coffee at Tim, Tim Hortons or Starbucks or whatever, right? And when Scripture talks of kindness, it's talking about something much more deep than that. That's fluffy. Scripture's not talking fluffy. Scripture is talking something much deeper than that. It's okay to buy somebody a coffee. I always appreciate it. So just saying, right? But mercy or kindness, it encapsulates a number of different uh, words, different expressions. Uh, Everything from favor to grace to compassion, loyalty, steadfast love, that's in there. That whole thing of mercy or, or kindness there. That, all of that is there. New Testament, really the word that would be applicable to mercy would be grace. That uh, undeserved favor, right? And to understand what kindness is, when God talks about kindness, it's compassion, but it's extending it to someone who finds themselves hooped. They are in a place where they're in a helpless state. They can't do anything to help themselves. It'd be like a person who is in debt and has no way to pay. No way. They have no money. They have, they have no access. It's that type of situation. It's like you're hooped, don't know what to do, you're stuck. And then someone comes out of nowhere and looks after that, whatever that is, right? They just look after it and it's dealt with. And it's like, Wow. That's amazing. Now, so what I want you to do right now, just for just two minutes, I want you to just think of a moment in your life when you had a time when that occurred for you. You were hooped in some way, anyway, maybe even a little bit hooped, and someone who you never expected, never asked for, came along and dealt with it. And I was looked after. I want you to just think about that. Once you have that picture, 
in one word, how did that make you feel? You got a word? Can I just get two or three people? Now, you online, I can't hear what your answer is. You could, If you're watching right now online, you can type it in on Facebook or YouTube or the comment section. But just shout out two or three people. How did it make you feel when that occurred for you? Loved. Loved. Relieved. Okay. Humbled. Humbled. Okay. Noticed. Noticed. Okay. So... Those are some samplings. And for me, it's like, feel special. <laughs> it, makes, it makes me almost speechless. But we all have different encounters with what that is like. And here's the thing. That is exactly how God acts towards humanity. That's what God is trying to say through Micah about loving mercy or loving kindness. Love kindness. It's God's devotion and compassion to us in spite of our mess, in spite of our failures and brokenness and all that stuff. And it's just this deep compassion towards us. Now, whenever you read in the Gospels about Jesus, you'll read from time to time how Jesus, you know, was moved with compassion to care for people or moved with compassion to go and heal someone or moved with compassion to feed them. You know, you you hear this. Understand that um, the Greek word that is used there is talking about an intensity that comes from deep within your gut, deep in here, right? Now, it's literally translated, how the Hebrews understood it anyway, um, to be moved in one's bowels. No, not like how we understand medically, okay? The, The whole thing of bowels was your inner gut, your guts, right? Inside, deep in here. That's how Jesus was moved. So when Jesus looked upon the city of Jerusalem and, you know, went, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that he was moved in here deep inside, right? That's what was occurring. And the Hebrew people, they also understood the the whole thing of the the bowels as the center of affection or... um, that it was the most tender kindness towards someone. It was, it was deep, deep, deep within them. And so you can think whenever you see Jesus healing or Jesus doing deliverance or feeding people, you know, helping people, whatever, his words, Jesus was moved deeply in here, right? It was just something that just came from deep within him. And, and, and here's the thing. Remember Jesus' words here in John? Jesus was telling the religious leaders, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. What you need to remember, whenever you see Jesus move towards someone with that kindness, with with that compassion, the desire to, to help, to rescue, that's God. That's how God looks upon us. God has moved to that extent, to that depth. That's what we have to try to understand, right? And I find it intriguing that in Micah there, um, what God requires of us is not just to be kind. Because we'll say that. You need need to be kind. No, (laughs) 
What God is asking us is to love mercy love or love kindness. Love it. It is that important. He wants us to love it. Love kindness. That's the requirement. Now, what usually helps to try and understand is to pick a story. And stories in Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, tons of stories that explain to you or show you the kindness or the mercy of God towards humanity. And the one I want to talk to you about is this man here, Thomas. Thomas was one of the 12 disciples that Jesus pulled around himself and spoke into and mentored and trained up. And one of the things I like about Thomas that I have an affinity to is Thomas likes to ask, ask questions. And Jesus is cool with that. And so I you know I go, well, Jesus, if you're cool with Thomas, you're cool with me then. That's, which is good. I appreciate that, Jesus. Thank you. But there's an incident that took place that is very revealing about the heart of God. And it was right near the end of Jesus' ministry, right before he went to the cross. And it was after eating the Passover meal with Jesus, the disciples and Jesus, they went out to the Garden of Gethsemane. In that time, the tension was thick, right? The anxiety was thick because you realize Judas had left them to go do what Judas was going to do. Um, Jesus knew what he, what he was going to be facing. The disciples, they didn't understand. They were confused. And so there was this confusion and tension that was going on as they were trying to pray. And Jesus was having them pray, but there was something that was just not great there. And then all of a sudden, everything went to hell in the handbasket. Judas showed up with, with uh, the temple guards and all that stuff. And Jesus was arrested. There was all the commotion that went on. And the disciples scattered. And Jesus was taken away. Kangaroo court, right? You know, unjustly charged. And the trial wasn't a trial at all. It was just, let's make it up to convict. And then he was, he was condemned to die. To die in execution. That was a horrible, horrible execution. And the majority of the disciples, they, scared, they left. They were gone. There was a couple that stuck around, but they were gone. And then it was like, what, a couple days later, right? Uh, the scripture set, tells us that they, the disciples gathered in one of the houses, locked the doors. Why? Because they were scared that the, they were the next on the list. Was there a list of people they were going to go after? Because if Jesus was the leader, they're, they're going after the followers, right? Because they don't want this thing to continue. And on that day when they gathered, you know who didn't gather with them? Thomas didn't gather with them. He didn't show up. He didn't show up. But they were there. And who knows what they were talking about, but they were there. And I'm sure they were talking about, now what do we do now? Make sure that, you know, all of that's locked. And then all of a sudden there was something supernatural that happened. Uh, Jesus showed up. Jesus appeared. And it, was, and it was a beautiful time because Jesus, you know, breathed on them and said, you know, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And they had this wonderful time. And then, of course, afterwards, right, the next day or whenever it was, at some point, one of them ran into Thomas or a few of them ran into Thomas and said, oh, you won't believe it. We saw the Lord. And Thomas went, right. Whatever. I don't know what you're thinking, but don't think so. 
And he says, you know what? I, I, like, I know you guys are trying to convince me. La, 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 said, unless I can touch him, see him, and touch his wounds, don't buy it. Well, a week later, they, they meet again, probably their home church, their home group they're meeting. Right? They meet again. Don't know if they're in the same place, probably. Thomas is there. He, he, he comes to the meeting this time. And uh, guess who shows up? Jesus does. <laughs> Again. And uh, Jesus was there for one person only. Jesus was there for Thomas. And um, Jesus says to him, he says, Thomas, I want you to put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into my wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And what I want you guys to see is this. Because this account is generally taught with the emphasis on Thomas, that this is about Thomas, that don't be a doubting Thomas, right? Have faith. we got to have faith. And luckily, Jesus came along and, you know, Gave Thomas what he wants, but you need to have faith. That's generally the emphasis that gets taught from this. And that's not about Thomas. This is not about Thomas. This story, this, what John, what John records here, it's about Jesus. It's about God. But Thomas was, was hooped in the sense that for Thomas, unless he could see, unless he could touch, he could, he couldn't just buy into it. And it speaks of God's compassion towards Thomas. Because Jesus knew Thomas. They were together for three years. And God's desire to be with Thomas and, and to meet Thomas where Thomas was at. And he says to Thomas, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Thomas did. And all Thomas could say was, my Lord. My God. You know, the thing is, we pick on Thomas as doubting Thomas. You do realize that after the resurrection, before Jesus ascended, Matthew puts in his gospel that many of the 12 disciples doubted. <laughs> so in the midst of all the 12 disciples, a lot doubted. A lot were having, were struggling. We're trying to wrap their heads around all of this. So it's not, it's not just Thomas. And the reason we know John is not talking about Tom, Thomas in any of this is because immediately following that account of Jesus encountering Thomas, immediately following, John states his purpose of why he wrote that gospel. He wrote it just for one reason. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. That's why he wrote the gospel. That's why he wrote that. It's so that you'll know John's compassion for you, for me, for us, was that we would know that Jesus can be trusted, that Jesus will meet us where we are at. This passage is about the mercy and kindness of God towards Thomas. Jesus, you never, if you notice, Jesus never scolded him, didn't shame him, didn't say, didn't learn anything from me, did you, Thomas? 
bad Thomas. <laughs> Didn't do any of that. Jesus came and loved him and met him where he was at. That's the reason he appeared that one time. He wanted to put Thomas's heart at ease. The fact of the matter is, the kindness of God far outweighs any fears or worries, doubts or questions that we may have. That God is a kind God. And I know we can talk about the God's a, a God of judgment, a God of you know, fire, consuming fire and all that stuff. First and foremost in the heart of God is a God of compassion, of kindness that moves God. God will go to all lengths to meet us where we are at. God will go to all lengths to do that. God's a safe place. It's what the psalmist I read in Psalm 91 this morning. You are my safety. God's a safe place. So what is it in Jesus that his natural first response is mercy towards Thomas? In fact, it's Jesus' response to all people, and it's God's response to all people, his kindness towards us. God longs for people to, because we're, we're cut from the same cloth, right? We're cut from the same cloth. But I wonder if it's because all of creation, all of creation is birthed from God's heart, and God is a God of love. What flows from God is love. That's what John says in his little letter. God is love, right? And naturally, there's a love. If you've ever created anything, made anything, you love what you create, right? It's just a natural thing because it comes from your heart. And I wonder, I do wonder, and I believe this to be so, does God look on us like parents look at a newborn? You know how parents look at a newborn, eh? If, if you're a parent and, you, and, and you've had a child, and the first time you laid eyes on that child... <laughs> There's only probably a few, a lot of different emotions, but for me, you know, shock. <laughs> shock, where, where was the shock from? Oh my gosh, we produced a human being? <laughs> like here's a human being. But there was this, not only that, there was this, the wonder of it all, but there was this love, right? You can't, you can't even come close to that type of love, right? That, that love for that little wee one. Right? You see the, all the little people, you see that little person, all the little features. You know, it's a little mini human, <laughs> right? It's like, wow. And you're just, that comes from God. I, I believe God, when God has that look on us, on you, on me, what's that, me like that? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I have no doubt in my mind. That's how God looks at us. And I wonder if maybe for us to be able to love mercy, maybe for me, what I was, this is what I think, for me, maybe for me to love mercy and to be moved with that, with, with that deep, deep, tender kindness within me, maybe it's how I view God's creation. Maybe it's how I view people. I need to view people the same way God does, to be moved by that. Now, that's what God calls us to do, to be moved by that, to experience that. And where it starts is to experience God's kindness for you, that God loves you, that God is passionate for you. 
Because that's what it comes down to. And, here, and here's the thing. It's a requirement. God wants us to be that type of people. Antidote for planet Earth? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, if humanity could look at one another with, wow, God's creation. Look up, look up, beautiful, right? Beautiful, right? You see parents do that, even with the ugliest of babies, right? They just, they just like, oh, I so love you, right? It's true. It's true. It's true. They just, they, parents do. They just, they because it comes from you. It comes from your heart. Right? No, they're all beautiful. They're all beautiful. I'm just playing. But it's that whole thing. We love. We love. We love. We love. We love. We love. And God loves us so much too. I just want to take time right now. Let's just invite the Holy Spirit to come. Because, you know, if you've never encountered the kindness of God, God wants you to, to know that. God wants you to know. That God has moved from deep within for you. That you can come to God with a place of where you're hooped. Whatever that is. Whatever, wherever in your life you're at that place where God, I'm bankrupt. I got nothing. I don't, and by bankrupt, I don't mean financially necessarily. It could be that, but it could be anywhere in your life where you're just feeling bankrupt. And God will move. So Holy Spirit, we just pray you would come right now. For those who are watching, Lord, we pray as they, as they consider that, Lord, and as they ponder that, that, Father, they would have an encounter with you of your, your kindness, your love, your compassion, your favor, your steadfast love that never, that never forsakes us. Psalms and songs are written about your steadfast love, your tender care for us, your mercies that are new every day. We worship you, Father. Lord, we just say, come right now. Just come and minister. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we just ask that as we go through our days, Lord, help us to see where your hands are Touch us with your kindness and your mercy and your grace towards us. And Lord, as you are to us, may we be to all others. Because Lord, we know that changes everything in our world. You are the way, Father. And we say yes to you. Amen.